0: Thank you for being with us on this Sunday after Easter. Two recurring themes, not just in Peter's writings, but Paul's too, and some of the early Christian hymns that we find, the recurring themes through these letters and through their hymns are are, are songs of joy and victory. The early Christians, even though they were heavily, heavily persecuted, did not view themselves as, as victims. They truly believed that they were in Christ, and as such, they were in the one who, who conquered death. He is risen, remember? Okay, last week we had this service. We call it Easter and I say he is risen and you say he is risen indeed and when that proclaims the resurrection and we don't do that just on Easter. We proclaim the resurrection every day. Oh, it's so hard. So he is risen. He is risen. Oh yeah, that's exactly what they believed. They honestly believed that. They believed that when they were in Christ, they were in the resurrected Lord. And this was a a new way of living, the resurrected living. And, And what that meant was, whether they lived or whether they died, they could not lose. Remember Paul's words in the Philippians, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul is saying, heaven or here, I cannot lose. When my dad was dying of cancer in Henry Ford Hospital, the nurses are really anybody that came in. My dad was not shy to say, he, he would say, I'm going either there, and he'd point west to their house in Garden City, or I'm going there, and he'd point up toward heaven. He goes, either way, I'm going home. My dad recognized heaven or here, he cannot lose. That's what those early persecuted Christians honestly believed. They truly believed Romans 8.31. Oh, I shouldn't get into Romans 8.31 because all summer we're going to be in Romans and, and like last summer when we were in the book of Mark This summer we're going to be in Romans In a couple of weeks we'll be passing out the Roman journals And I hope that you will all take one It's scripture on one side blank on the other side So you can join us every single week As we work our way through the book of Romans Okay that's your commercial And I'm spilling the beans right now with Romans 8.31 Because those people lived in the, in, the, in the belief, the idea of Romans 8.31 that Paul is saying, you know that verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? They believe that verse. They believe that is true. Do you believe it? And let's say it all together. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God Almighty... The, the, the king of kings and lord of lords, the defeater of death, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end. If Jesus Christ is for us, then who in the world can be against us? Now make sure you understand what Paul and Peter are not saying when they believe and they embrace such teachings. They're not saying that no one can be against you. Paul and Peter, Peter in this letter, is, is, is sitting in a Roman prison. Peter is saying he's calling it Babylon because he can't even mention the name of Rome. Paul and Peter will be executed for their faith. So he's not saying that no one can be against you and the early listeners, readers of these letters aren't hearing that no one can be against me, that they would never be treated poorly, that that people would not gossip about them or hurt them or persecute them, that life would always be easy. That is not what we're saying here. What he's saying is they all understood the words of Jesus. And the words of Jesus in Luke chapter six say, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they insult you, when they reject your name as evil because of the son. He said, you're gonna have problems. So Paul in Romans eight and Peter in first Peter, it's not saying you'll never have problems. He's, they're not saying don't be shocked when, when, when trouble comes your way. Don't be shocked when people lie about you or or gossip about you or any of that other junk. Sinners are going to act like sinners. I think sometimes we forget that people who don't know Jesus aren't gonna be displaying the fruit of the spirit like they they would if they did know Jesus. Hurt people hurt people. And so don't be shocked by that. We, We constantly say Jesus transformed us. Jesus took me from this to that and Jesus worked a miracle in my life from here to there. Well, people who have not been transformed by Jesus, they are not going to display the fruit of the Spirit all the time. Don't be shocked by that, don't complain about that. Pray for them, pray, pray, pray for them. What is shocking is when people who claim to be Christ don't act like Jesus. Now that, that's what we should be shocked by. Jesus wasn't shocked by sinner's bad behavior. Jesus was a friend of sinners, we're told. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. He wasn't shocked by their behavior. He was shocked when the Pharisees, the ones who claimed to be close to God, when the Pharisees didn't behave in a godly manner. That's what shocked him. That's what upset him. So Christians, don't be, don't be shocked when, when sinners act like sinners. Pray for them. Be kind to them. Befriend them. Be like Jesus. Okay, that's a little tangent, but we'll get back to Peter. Paul is saying, and the early church lived into... Paul is writing to these people that said, listen, if the King of Kings is on your side, if the Lord of Lords is on your side, even when sinners act like sinners, even when trouble comes your way, even when persecuted, even in in the harshest conditions, even when when you may think they have the upper hand, are you kidding? You have God Almighty on your side. If God is for us, who can be against us? You're not a victim, you're a victor. God is with you, you're not a victim. God is with you. Honestly, I think too many Christians these days, they take on this victim mentality. Oh, the world is terrible, and life is terrible, and, you know, it's hard to be a pastor. It's hard to be a Christian these days. It's, I'm being persecuted. I heard a quote from a missionary who's in a part of the world, one of those creative access areas where Christians truly are being persecuted, where Christians, if their faith was known, would be would be either either mishandled or mistreated or murdered and he said this about american christians during the pandemic he said just because you can't buy toilet paper doesn't mean you're being persecuted and i think he's right the early church even as they were heavily persecuted they never ever believed themselves or looked at themselves as victims they realized that if god is for us they were victors whatever the odds, whatever the foes, if God is for us, I'm a victor. And so that's who Peter's writing to. Heavily persecuted. Turkey, Greece, Albania, in that region. But they weren't victims. They weren't hiding under a rock. Peter's letter to them doesn't say, oh, brothers and sisters, just hold on till Jesus comes and sweeps you home. He's not saying that. In fact, he's saying just the opposite of that. He's saying, we gotta get out there. We've gotta use the gifts and the things that God has provided for us. We've got a job to do. This is what he says. Here's our key verse. Finally, we got to it. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Let me read that again. God has given each of you, every single one of you, all of us, underline that if you're using a real paper Bible, each of us a gift from his great variety of gifts don't sit on them don't 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 you know do nothing with them don't just hang on to them till jesus comes no jesus is the victor so use them well to serve one another let's dig into that a little bit to this persecuted church paul is talking or peter is talking about service Again, we called this our together Sunday. We've taken communion, our youth band, we, our, our poor choir. They, they sang for six services last Sunday or last weekend, and so we said, "You need a break." And so thankfully, our youth band, they do a great, great job. Peter's words to the persecuted church in the first century are also good words for the pandemic church in the 21st century. And his, and his words are, the message, is, if I summarize that, is, just don't sit around and do nothing. That includes us in here, that includes you folks at home. God has given each of us, every single one of us, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God is the one who has given these gifts. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities are from God Almighty, period. Peter said it, God has given each of you a gift. Now, before you say, before you say, oh, I don't know my gift, I don't know what I can do, blah, blah, blah. Hold on, we're going to get there in a second. Let's talk about God first. God, God, God has given us a gift. Do you remember the story, the Old Testament story of Gideon in Judges, Judges chapter 6? The Midian army is coming against the Israelites. The Bible describes them as um, a swarm of locusts. I don't know how many soldiers are in a swarm, but it's a lot. And so, Midian, or, or, so Gideon has gotten... Midian Gideon has gotten 32,000 troops now we don't know exactly how many Midianites are there but the Bible tells us at the end of the story that 120,000 Midianites are have died so at least probably more but at least there's 132,000 Midianites and Gideon has 32,000 Israelites so if you're good at math you realize that there's four to one odds not very good odds and and so God comes to to Gideon and says to him, listen, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands And I think Gideon probably said, excuse me Lord um, I, I, My hearing is just a little off because I could have swore you said we have to That's four to one odds, God, Four. there's four Midianites for every one Israelite I could have swore you said you have too many men well, You meant you need to go find some more men, right? No, 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 you heard me right you have too many men. And, and then he goes on to say, I cannot deliver Midianites into the hands or Israel might boast against me. My own strength has saved me. God is saying, listen, listen, Gideon. You need to whittle it down. And so he whittles it down. He, he, they lose 31,700 troops. So they go from 32,000 to 300. If you're good at math, you now know it's 400 to one odds. 400 to one odds. Who in their right mind would think it's 401 odds and got to say, listen, what I want you to do, I want you to have this victory and I don't want you to boast about who, I want you to understand exactly who's giving you this victory. If you had four to one odds, you might say, well, those Midianites were tough, but come on, they're Midianites. (laughs) I could probably beat them with one hand behind me. God, thanks, you helped us a little bit. We probably could have beat them if we had enough time. So thanks, God, thank you, thank you. You You helped us, you did your part, but (laughs) boy, look at what we did, four to one odds but with 300 troops against 120, 400 to one odds. And get this, get this. God didn't hand those 300 soldiers, you know, Uzis or AK-47s or bazookas or tanks. You know what their fighting utensils were? Pots and trumpets. Pots and trumpets were their fighting instruments. Forgive me if you're in the orchestra, but I don't, want, I don't want the trumpeters and the ceramics class going into battle. I was in the band in high school. I know band people. I played the cymbals, Shh. I don't want me going into battle when it's 400 to one odds. But that's exactly, that's exactly what, what God did and how God worked and you know the story. They won, they won, they won, they won the victory. Why? Because they could not boast. It was God and God Almighty that provided the victory. It was God and God, there was no other way of looking at it. Sometimes, sometimes I think we need to have God-sized vision and, and tackle something that is so big and so, that we can't get take one bit of glory. Not one ounce of glory. That it's all God, all God's doing, all God's working. That the only way it was going to succeed was if God worked in a powerful way. Again, in your, in your thing, that's all, what we've done, accomplished this past year. That's all God's glory. It's not any one of us. It's all God's glory. God, God is the victor. God is the one that brought it. God is the only one that could make all that stuff happen. All right. Sometimes we need to stretch ourselves. Back to Peter, back to Peter. God is the giver of gifts. Number two, though we're different... Each of us has been given a gift. Again, don't tell me that you don't have any gifts or talents. That is simply not true. Peter said it, God has given each of you, every one of us, every single solitary person in this room or at home, God has given you gifts. They're not the same, they don't have the same gifts, not the same proportion of gifts. You know, maybe you need to discover your gift, maybe you need to embrace your gift, But God has given all of us a gift. People are different. And so sometimes we have different, let me ask you this, let me tackle it this way. Think of two people in the Bible who were absolutely 100% doing God's will. Can you think of two people in the Bible, absolutely 100%, no question about it, doing God's will? Well, you'd say, Jesus, I mean, that's a Sunday school answer, but right, Jesus, he's gotta be on the list, he's number one. Jesus was certainly doing what God wanted him to do, no doubt about it. Who, who would be the other person? Might I suggest to you, might I suggest to you the one that Jesus, this is what Jesus said about this guy. Jesus said, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. Those born of women, which I don't know, I have, certainly don't know everything about every person, but I think that includes just about everybody. So, so you have Jesus... You know who's Jesus And you have John the Baptist who Jesus says Among those born of women no one is greater I would say that's probably doing God's will right And Jesus and John the Baptist are opposites I mean they are polar opposites personality wise John the Baptist was an aesthetic He lived out in the wilderness If you he, he was kind of a you, I get, you get the feeling he's kind of an introvert If you wanted to hear John the Baptist preach He didn't come to you you went to him and you know all of his weird habits, he wore the strange clothes and he had a strange diet, bugs and honey, who would eat that? And, and you know, he's just kind of an isolationist, out there, out there, out there. That's just, Honestly, he's an odd duck, right? We'd all say he's kind of an odd duck, wild hair. Some people say that he was a Nazarite, not to be confused with Nazarene, let his hair grow long, didn't drink wine, he was a recluse. That's But he was doing exactly, exactly, exactly what God wanted him to do. Of those born of women, nobody's greater. And then there's Jesus. Jesus, exact opposite. Jesus loved to be around people. Jesus loved going to parties. Jesus turned water into wine at one of those parties. I told you, he hung out with, with sinners. He was a friend of sinners. He hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes. You'd be hard-pressed. To find any two people who are more opposite than Jesus and John the Baptist, and yet both were doing exactly what God wanted them to do, it's a little confusing. I think it was confusing for John the Baptist because, because remember, he sent a couple of his fellows to go check out Jesus, and and even though he, you know, he baptized Jesus, he said he was preparing the way for Jesus. He heard, he heard God Almighty when he was baptizing him, say, "You are my Son, whom I, who am I well please." He heard all that. But he's still saying, man, they're so different. Jesus is hanging out with all these people, going to parties, doing all this stuff. And so he, he sent, he sent uh, some fellas. And they show up to Jesus and say, um, excuse me, Jesus, but um, I don't mean to bother you, but um, John the Baptist, he sent us to ask, are you the one or should we expect someone else? Jesus, I, because, you know, you're not doing, you don't do things away. You don't follow the same ministry tact that John the Baptist. Are you, the, are you really, the, are you the one? And you remember Jesus' response? Go back to John and, 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 and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Th- those who have leprosy, they're cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And good news is proclaimed to the poor. He didn't, he didn't list all the Bible verses in, in the Old Testament that proclaim him to be Messiah. He didn't say, listen, John, were you baptized me? You heard God himself say, this is my son. Who do you think he was talking about? He didn't say any of that. He said, listen, go and tell John what the fruit is. Lame people are walking. Dead people are raised. See, blind people are seeing. Lame people are, 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 are moving forward. That's what's happening. You go tell go tell John that. All I'm saying is you don't have to be, God uses your personality, your talents, your gifts. We, we don't we don't need cookie cutter Christians where we all have to be the same. We don't have to dress the same. We don't have to like the same things. We don't have to listen to the same music. We don't have to march to the same steps. Some of us are extroverts, some of us are introverts. Some like rock and roll, some like Mozart, some like both. Some of us are Sparney fans Some of us, you know, know who to root for (laughs) During this season, some wear masks And some think in other ways And some don't There's a great variety of people And a great variety of gifts And all of them come from the same Father who Who takes our various personalities To reach our generation for Jesus Christ So God is the giver of gifts and there's a great and he's called each of us each one of us can use those gifts And there's a great variety of gifts Did you notice that God has given each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts Again your gifts may not be the same as my gifts Our personalities are different but everyone has been given a gift Everyone has been given resources from God Almighty not your own they're from God they're on loan from God I think a fundamental error that we make is sometimes we think our gifts are our gifts or our resources are our resources, but they are not our gifts and they are not our resources or our talents. You can say, excuse me, yeah, they're they're my gifts. No, again, I believe that your talents and your gifts and your abilities are on loan from God Almighty to use them for his glory, not to use them to, you know, just for your own entertainment or you use them for this or that, or, or, or whatever it may be. God has given us gifts and abilities to use them for his glory so that people might come to know him. That's why he's given us the gifts that we have. And so so how this works out and plays out, some some people, are not me, some people are talented singing. And maybe you sing well in the shower and you sing well in your car as you're go- driving down, but you haven't sung in the choir or the praise team. Use your gifts for God's glory, that's my point. Some people are great people persons. You're extroverts, you you know, you're out there. That use those gifts for God's glory. If you're a techie person, use those gifts for God's glory. God has given you gifts on loan so that you might glorify him. I think one of the things I love about our Good Friday service is when we bring the big cross into the middle and we darken, you know, the choir and the singers are kind of off on the side and even Tyler, who preached a great sermon, he was just kind of sitting... Uh, at the foot of the cross but the light the light of of the was on the cross and the point of that whole service is it's all about jesus and what jesus did for us it's not about the singers it's not about the choir it's not about the preacher it's not about anything else it's just god all glory goes to god that's what happens with our gifts use your gifts to honor the one that gave you those gifts and abilities and we had this big women's conference this weekend and it was so well organized and it was just really, really great. And it took them, they were organized for like two years. I mean they've been they've been working on this this event from this weekend for the last two years getting it ready. And they had they had people there was there was, there was people who organized it and people who were welcoming and cooking the meal. Deb Pruitt, Deb Pruitt in here. Deb Pruitt did a great job. Oh my land. It was awesome, awesome, awesome. He you know, like makes me miss our Wednesday night dinners this fall, they're coming. But people security, people driving it, the people from the airport. First aid, security, tech team, all those people. Beth Heiden, I asked her how many. I asked Beth, she's our women's ministry director, and Carol Worley, they're all working. And I said, how many many volunteers did you have? There are people everywhere. She said, 80, 80 volunteers. I said, wow, that's awesome. And you want to know what? So for you, if you're one of those 80 volunteers, let me tell you this. Four people, four ladies that were here accepted Jesus and one lady online accepted Jesus, and so that's, that's good, all of heaven is rejoicing, you know, and so it was worth, worth their effort, they had a prayer team that was praying, 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 and you know, for, for weeks, getting ready, things happened because of prayer, and let me just, not just, for you know, do you know, here, let me, oh my, we got a baptism, and I got eight minutes, okay, we have men's prayer on, on on Saturday mornings, and there are at, at eight o'clock Saturday morning, and there are four fellas that are there. Jack is there, and Gary is there, and Bob McCarthy. I don't know if Bob's in this service or the next one, uh, and me generally, and we pray. And anybody can come, but those fellas, those four, us four, are always there. And it doesn't take us long. We we don't we really don't talk about, you know, stuff. We just come and we say our hellos and greetings. And and then we pray. We pray for the church, we pray for the services, we pray for the pastoral staff, we pray, we pray, we pray, we pray, and then we go. Those guys' gifts is being a prayer warrior. I wasn't gonna say that this is all this is all somewhat tangent. We need more prayer warriors in this church. Can I just say it that way? Can I say in the church our size, we need to have more than four fellows showing up on eight, on eight o'clock on, some, on Saturday morning praying for this church? These three guys, these three guys, you know who they are. They, they go by Jack and Bob and Gary, but what they really, their names really are. I don't know. There's there's three of them, so how you mush it into two? They're Aaron and Her. Remember Aaron and Her? They're the guys. They're the guys that held up Moses' arms when the attack and Moses' arms went down. Then the Israelites were losing, and Aaron and Her went one got one arm and the other got the other arm, and they lifted him. That's what those three guys are for me. They're holding me up, and and, and sometimes you 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 uh, people say, "Oh, Pastor, that was a wonderful sermon." No, it, it, it's not me. It's it's because Jack and Gary and Bob, every Saturday morning, rain or shine, even when I'm not there. Yesterday I wasn't there because I was here at the at the at the women's event. They're praying. We need more prayer warriors. That's a gift. That's a gift. Every one of us, you at home, every one of us can be prayer warriors. All right, back to our regular scheduled programming. Uh, not all our gifts come in the same proportion. All of us have been given a gift, a great variety of gifts. And then this, okay, this is the main point of the sermon and I've got less than five minutes because we've still got to baptize a couple people. All right, here it is. God has given us these gifts for one purpose, one purpose only, to serve one another. That's the purpose. That's the whole point. God Almighty has given us gifts so not so for our own sake, not for our glory. He has given us gifts so that we might serve, serve, serve one another. We haven't been given gifts for any other purpose but for that God's glory and recognition. And so the big question is, are you using your gifts? Are you sitting on them? Jesus told us that at judgment day, the king's going to look out at the crowd and to those who served him well, you remember. You remember what the king's going to say. Well done. He's not going to say, well thought. He's not going to say, well, well, I know you wanted to. He's not going to say, well, I know you said when you got around to it. No, he's going to say, well done, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Are you using your spiritual gifts, your talents and abilities, so that the master will say to you, well done. Listen, servants isn't a requirement for salvation. The motivation to serve is not so that we might be saved. We don't do something in order to get God to love us more. God already loves us as much as God can possibly love us. From the the bottom of our feet to the top of our head, God loves us, God loves us. He can't love you anymore. But what our service does, it, it displays our response to that salvation. It's a response to that tremendous love. Because of what Jesus has done in me, because of the transformation that has taken place in me, Every part of me, my, 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 my voice, my heart, my soul, my treasure, my talents, my gifts, my abilities, my everything, my all. Because we believe in full salvation. My life in totality is made new by the creator of the universe. And my response to that is to use those gifts and abilities that he's given me.